read this just in a, in a second, in a few minutes. And But I want us to think just for a few minutes, our identity. Who do we identify with? What do we identify with? We all, uh, we all like brands, uh, you know, whether it's in clothing, whether it's vehicles, whether it's things that we use, maybe phones, those kind of things. We all like understand branding. You know, I look out tonight and I see people representing maybe a different company or representing a school or representing, uh, you know, clothes, those kind of things. We get it. We understand what it means to identify with something. Hopefully, as Christians, the world knows, not only for the world that they know we identify with God, but we know that we identify with God, that we know who we are. We know that who we identify with. So if you would read with me, beginning Psalm 23, we'll read those six verses that we're all familiar with. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now those six verses, we have, and most, when I say we collectively, we probably have shared those at the graveside of a, fun or of a loved one. We have shared that, those in a chapel of a funeral home, <clears throat> excuse me, or in a setting like this during difficult times, dark times in a hospital room, or maybe something that's we're going on in our life. We just simply open up our Bible at home uh, early in the mornings or late at night. We're uh, seeking to have comfort. We're seeking to have encouragement. We turn to Psalm 23. Wayne Jackson says this about Psalm 23. He says the 23rd Psalm has been called the Nightingale Song because it sings the sweetest at the midnight hour, meaning that we rely our heaviest or our most on Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6, when it's our darkest time, when it's our most difficult time, our most challenging time. I want to highlight just a few points about the 23rd Psalm. We know that the Lord is portrayed as what? As a shepherd, verses 1 through 4. Verses 5 through 6 reminds us that the Lord represents a gracious host. God provides for our needs. <clears throat> I think I may be getting with Barthead. He makes us lie down uh, for rest, even when we resist. Sometimes we may not always want to slow down. We may not always want to recharge. We may not want to refocus, but yet he wants us to do that because he continues to show action. He leads us beside calm waters. He restores and sustains and refreshes our life. He guides us in his righteous ways. He does not remove dangerous circumstances. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute. He calms our fears. How many of us, after, <coughs> excuse me, after watching the news or interacting in a, during a work week, that maybe we leave a little more fearful? We think about the chaos. Uh, this morning before class or beginning of class, uh, I offered a, a prayer. And that's something I always, not out of repetition, not out of habit, not because I've been asked to do it, but something that I always strive to do is to simply thank God that we get to have an opportunity as a collectively to worship Him, to take a break from the chaos outside these walls, that we really do get to pull ourselves out of that. 
And isn't that refreshing? It is is because we realize the comfort that he provides, and I'm thankful for that. We are confident, after reading these six verses, we are confident that he is with us because he comforts us. He prepares a table containing our needs. And I'm not necessarily talking about physical needs, but our emotional needs, our spiritual needs. He Everything that we need is contained, even if you're using a digital version. Everything that we need in life is contained here. It's contained in these 66 books of the Bible. We can have confidence that even in the face of an intimidating enemy, Satan, or maybe those who surround us, that we can have confidence as we walk with God that he is always there with us. Our cup runs over. Wayne talks about this, Wayne Jackson. He says, goodness and kindness are faithful traveling companions. Goodness and kindness. As God, as our loving host, we realize that the saved will abide forever. Not only will the saved's cup overflows, but one day there will be a last day for all of us. And when we realize that the saved will be safely and securely in the arms and, or in the, the presence of God, that in and of itself should cause us to have that comfort and understand what it means to walk beside um, those still waters, be led to those still waters. You think about our identity in God. If you go to the next slide, I, I'm not advancing the, the slides, that he is all I need. Um, most of the time, Psalm 23, I also like Psalm 51, where David makes a, makes points or makes a point to um, maybe a little bit too far. You go back. Okay, there we go. That David uh, makes a declaration. He makes a decision that who he is going to follow. He is seeking God's comfort. He is asking that his sins be held against him and blotted out and held against him no more in Psalm 51. Psalm 23 we see the acknowledgement that David is hes reminding, he is making a declaration that the Lord is the shepherd of his people. But you think about us, we always want something, don't we? We always want something a little more than we think we do. Uh, the having is never as good as the wanting. Sometimes we, we think, well, if I just get this car, I'll be really happy. If I can just get this house, I'll, be, I'll never ask for anything again. If I can just get all of these things, but what do we always end up? I mean, I'm speaking for myself. I always want more. Uh, for those of you that have been around me just a little bit, one of my love languages is ink pens. And I was gifted uh, a really nice ink pen. I never thought I'd own one. I really didn't because my wife would never let me spend that kind of money on an ink pen for me. But I was gifted by a friend of mine recently at, of all places, the Barron County Detention Center. Mark witnessed it. He was there. We went to baptize someone, and an attorney friend of mine was there meeting with a client. And I began to acknowledge, hey, I really like that ink pen that you have. Before I could get the words out of my mouth, he was putting it in my pocket. I said, no, I don't, I don't want your ink pen. I was just admiring it. He said, don't worry about it, man. He said, I've got eight or nine laying on my desk at the office. He said, come see me. I said, I sure will. I'll be glad to pop in. But in that moment, now this has been roughly two weeks I've received this really nice ink pen. But I have selfishly and pridefully thought to myself, I'll be happy one day when I get a little bigger version of a brand of this pen, just for a minute, just for a little bit. And that's a very small something in some ways because I, even though I've been given something I never thought I would have, I selfishly still want a little more. I want a little bigger pen. I want a little more uh, something that, that I can identify with. Because the having is never as good as the wanting. 
Uh, but when our blessings create a need that we otherwise wouldn't have, that Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6, if we've been tra- allowed ourselves to be transformed because of Christ, we don't need anything else. We sometimes think we do, but he gives us all that we need because God is all that we need. If you go to the next slide, please. Put my pen up here before I lose it. And no one will leave if I lose it. We'll make sure that everybody's check their pockets. Sometimes, now when I ask them, asking a rhetorical question, why are you so miserable? I'm not saying you're miserable. I'm not miserable. We're not really miserable. But sometimes we find ourselves being unhappy. We find ourselves wanting more than we have. We find ourselves, I guess, replacing our priorities or misplacing our priorities to the point that we work ourselves up into a frenzy that we create anxiety. Psalm 38, 18 says, For I confess my iniquity, I am full of anxiety because of my sin. When we're chasing after the wrong things in life, we begin to make maybe poor choices. When was Jesus, when did Satan think Jesus was the most vulnerable? When he was hungry, when he was tired. And you think about if Satan looks at Jesus as a target, how does he look at us? We're definitely a target. But many times when we seek the comfort, of, stop seeking the comfort of God, that we think that we rely on ourselves, we rely on, on the world, we rely on our material possessions, then we do end up with a lot of anxiety because of the choices that we make. And anxiety, I'm not talking about mental health. I'm talking about anxiety or being fretful because of decisions that we've made. We've all made mistakes. We've all made poor decisions. But yet when we go back to God and realize that he's the one that can comfort us, then hopefully our anxiety will decrease. Hopefully our transformation will continue to be more towards Christ. If you go to the next slide. Today, fear, um, and we're not going to ask, we're not going to take a poll, but most of us, uh, as much as I love Sundays, also I realize that Mondays, what Mondays mean. I don't mean in the workplace. We we have a very lengthy sick sick list, prayer list, there are a lot of people tomorrow who will be going out to doctor's appointments. There will be a lot, and we've, we've all done it, but some of our loved ones and our friends, they're going to do that tomorrow. Today's the first day of the week, and I'm thankful for it. But tomorrow is going to be the day that a lot of people are going to be dealing with fear, maybe dealing with friction. We've been able to take a break for the weekend, but maybe all the things that we left on Friday is still there for us. In the Old Testament, we read about all the plagues, all the things that... Uh, God sent because people turned their back on him, because they rebelled, they refused to follow him. And that's no different from us today, that when we seek to be less confident because we're seeking to be more self-reliant, we deal with fear, we deal with friction, we deal with all of those things. We all have on some level, maybe even a famine, a spiritual famine in, in so many ways, that that causes us not to be grounded as we should be. You go to the next slide. Do you need rest, repentance, or both? Well, I think many times we all, we all need both. We need to find rest. We need to turn away. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more uh, kind of towards the end about some of the things that we try to, we strive to share uh, with those who are incarcerated in, in our detention center ministry, that uh, repentance, we talk about the plan of salvation. And that is definitely a part of the plan of salvation but it's also part, should be a part of our life, too. We should be seeking to, to be transformed. Look in that mirror. This morning, Miss Stevens asked a really, really good question. And I'm paraphrasing, but what can I do to keep growing? What can I do 
to be stronger? What can I do to stay away from the world? Well, it starts with a desire to. It starts with an awareness to. It starts with wanting to put in the time and make an effort. When we see that we want to take a rest or be take a rest from the world and be uh, repentant and turn away from all the things that we've been participating in or the world wants us to, then we realize that God can restore us and He guides us. God blesses us because why? Because He is holy. Because we seek to have a relationship with Him. We seek to be repentant. We seek to do things His will. And I ask the question, who do you listen to? And the point is, is that we've talked a lot on Wednesday nights and the Barnabas Factor, or the book study that we've been going through, uh, about what we, what we feed our minds is what comes out through our mouth many times. That if we allow ourselves to be infiltrated by all the things in the world, we allow ourselves to be just inputted with all the, the, the things that Satan would have us to, next thing you know, we're not being restored by God. We're not being guided by God. We are being misguided, and we're taking many, many missteps. If you go to the next slide, the last few years, <coughs> the last couple of years, uh, Asa has challenged me in a good way. You know, I'm, I'll be going uh, the 50-yard the 50 mark here soon of life, metaphorically. And he says, you got to, you know, if you want to get to 60, 70, 80, you're going to have to get in better shape now in so many ways. So he's challenged me to try to, uh, which I'm thankful, to eat better, exercise, all those things. So started going to the gym a little bit. And I see a lot of big guys up there and a lot of little T-shirts. And they're always trying to, to work out and push up a lot of weight and make sure that they see themselves and make sure that you see them too. And everybody's trying to get stronger. You know, I show up in a full sweatsuit, full, I don't want anybody looking at me, full sweatsuit. And, but yet I want to get just as strong as they are on, on most levels, probably never get there. But when we feel, we can feel safe in the scariest of places when we realize that God makes us strong. If you look at Psalm 23, if you go back just for a second. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We see that the shepherd does not eliminate the presence of evil, but certainly the fear of it. This morning we had an opportunity to share a short message, develop relationships, and spend some time at Barron County Healthcare. And I've all, my mother lived in a nursing home for about eight years. I've always said this. You got to be really tough to live there, and you got to be really tough to work there. Now, I'm very thankful for those places, but... If you ever go there to live, it's probably going to be a little scary for a while. If you go there to work, it's probably going to be a little scary for a while because you see a lot of people dealing with a lot of struggles. I know for me, the 30-plus minutes that I go have been going on Sunday mornings. It's given me, even though I, I thought I had a perspective from when my mother lived there, it's given me another new perspective because I'm getting older too, and it can be a scary place. Not just there, but I'm not talking about uh, geographically, but a scary place in our life when you get to that point, when you realize that you need God's strength even more. But we see, after reading uh, Psalm 23, verse 4, that even in the darkest and scariest of places, physically, spiritually, but also maybe in our, our health-wise too, that we can still be strengthened because the, the, God is still there with us. It's, those challenges are still going to be there, but he eliminates the fear for us. You go to the next slide. 
He blesses us. You think about the table of blessings. The table of blessings is prepared. Our heads are anointed. Our cups overflow. Now, Old Testament speaking, heads being anointed is a symbol, is an honor, is a symbol of comfort. Our cups overflow. Um, scripture even tells us that we get more sometimes than we can even carry. Uh, if we allow ourselves to submit our life to Christ, and he blesses us in so many ways that if we have a table of blessing being prepared for us, we can only find that through a relationship with God. Go to the next slide. Sometimes maybe we don't feel blessed. We worry about things that don't matter. I know with me, I struggle with a lot of, a lot of what ifs. I call them insurance questions. And well, what happens if? What happens if I do this? What happens if, if, if our air doesn't work? What happens? And I, I kind of get myself worked up in a frenzy sometimes. And when I need to stop and realize how blessed I am, because Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6, tells us that he walks with us, he protects us, he gives us all that we need. But I forget that sometimes to the point that the worries that I have, I, I forget. They act like, I act like they matter, but they really don't. I'm not appropriating my worries in a proper in a proper way. The results are evident. Wayne says, if you go to the results, uh, the next slide, goodness and loving kindness are wonderful travel companions. The house of the Lord. Tonight, we're gathered together. Uh, there's no better place. There's no other place that's better that I want to be because we get to be together with family and friends, but we also get to sing songs of praise. We get to commune. We get to participate in Bible study, and hopefully we get to be encouraged. But that only happens as a result of giving our life, being submissive to Christ. Uh, if you go to the next slide, the final slide before we go to Acts 16, what is following you? You know, I talked about goodness and kindness or wonderful travel companions, but is misery, hatefulness, do those things weigh us down? Uh, I, and I do, and I hope that you'll forgive me. I do talk a lot about the workplace. I've always enjoyed working. I, I was thought it was a very great thing to have a job. To have that's I think that's something our country's missing. A lot of folks maybe don't feel that way as much anymore. But sometimes the workplace can be a challenge. Sometimes, especially uh, depending on who you're surrounded with at, at times. But yet it makes you more resilient if you will turn your our focus to God. I know many times I've maybe not had some really good days at work, and my wife would say, "You get out there." And you show them how a Christian handles things. And at the moment, I thought, well, she's trying to really help me. But on this side of it, I really see that she was trying to let me know that Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6, that if I have a relationship with God, I have no reason ever to be anything but reflective of showing other people how Christian handles. Christians handle difficult things, difficult times. And we don't handle things with misery and hatefulness. While sometimes that may be the response, we need to make sure that, that that is not the case. If you go to Acts 16, we're going to read about the Philippian jailer just for a minute. And the reason why is because, as far as I know, uh, I think we've had a few earthquakes in my lifetime in Kentucky, but thank goodness that we've never had anything here yet that would cause complete or total destruction to uh, our buildings, to our families, to us physically, any of those things. But metaphorically, we've probably had some earthquakes in our life. We've had some things that cause us a lot of problems and cause us to maybe consider our worth, maybe consider our value, maybe consider how others view us. And I see all of that captured 
with the Philippian jailer. And as we get ready to offer the invitation just in a few minutes, at this point, uh, and I would, I guess recruiting is the right word. I know Nancy Brown wouldn't mind re me recruiting some ladies to participate on Saturday mornings. I'd like to recruit some of our guys to, to participate at our, bar our detention center on Saturday mornings. We need you. Not only do we need you, but they need you. Uh, I go back to Ms. Stevens's question this morning. How can I stay faithful? How can I grow? How can I, how can I stay strong? Well, one of the ways is, is you teach others. You know how the best way to learn something is to teach it. And the, one of the most safest ways, and you may think that's such a paradoxical statement, Alan, one of the safest ways is inside a jail, but yes, it is. Uh, it is a very safe environment. It really is. If it wasn't, I wouldn't ask people to go. I wouldn't ask my son to go. I wouldn't go if it wasn't safe physically, but it's also safe spiritually because you have people who come to class. They're not there because they're bored necessarily. They're there because they're looking for hope. They're looking for encouragement. And I'm thankful we get to give that in the form of Christ. We get to give that in the form of good news. We don't give them a feel-good book. We don't give them a self-help uh, curriculum. We share the good news of Jesus Christ with these people. So I would beg you and implore you, if you've ever been hesitant, don't be. If you've ever been scared, don't be. If you've been reluctant, don't be. Just participate. And you'll be thankful that you did, and it will help you stay faithful. It will also help others understand what Christ would have us to do. If you go to Acts 16, um, look at verse beginning in verse 25. And we know why Paul and Silas were arrested, right? We know that uh, prior to them um, being put in jail, uh, they have taken the money-making means away from certain people, from masters who own the, the slave girl. Paul has taken that away. And because they are being accused of, of preaching and teaching about God. So they're being uh, ridiculed, they're being beaten, they're being laid with stripes, they're being uh, in a mob pursuing them. And in verse 25, after they are already incarcerated, let's go look at verse 23. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison. Not only throwing them into prison, but commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Okay, Not just keeping them securely, but verse 24, having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So double, triple security. Verse 25, we'll begin reading. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, he asked the most important question any of us could ever answer in verse 30, or ask in verse 30. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31, so they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and all, and your household. Now, many of our religious friends and neighbors stop reading. They stopped reading in 31, but let's read on. Verse 32, then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in this house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and immediately, not later, not scheduled, not when a time when family and friends could come into town, 
And he immediately, he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced having believed in God with all his household. And there's so many things that's, that's captured in that one, that section of Scripture, meaning that how many of us have had an earthquake in our life? How many of us have had things to happen to us that would cause us to maybe flee, that would maybe cause us to second-guess our worth? You see what the jailer was about to do. He was going to be more honorable in this context for him to take his own life, to fall on the sword and to face the magistrates. It was going to be more honorable in his eyes than have to deal with all the ramifications because he thought everybody was going to leave. He thought everybody was going to run because the, the earthquake, all the doors flung open. Everybody could run. But because of Paul and Silas is having credibility, because even in, the, even in the inner stocks being fastened, they still had credibility. They were doing what? They were singing. They were teaching. They were preaching even in the midst of being incarcerated. So they had credibility. They also had a message that they were sharing. So no one left to the point that even the jailer wanted to know, I'm listening to your message. What must I do to be saved? And we see what happens. There's eight examples of the New Testament, even Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 41. What happens in that order that you're baptized for the remission of sins? It's in that order. Uh, many times on Saturday mornings, uh, I will most of the time have different guys, so I never, they don't have to hear the same lesson two or three times. I'm thankful for that. But I'll always end with this, and I'll end it with, as I'll share it with you, always tell them that, hey, I may never get to see you again. I may never. I mean, you may never see me. I may never see you for lots of different reasons. So tonight, I may never get to see you again. You may never get to see me again. What does that mean? It means that I never want to leave anybody with any doubt. I never want to leave anybody. Well, what he asked the question, the jailer did, what must I do to be saved? I never want anybody to not have an answer for that, whether it's in car if you're incarcerated or if you're sitting in an auditorium or if we're having a Bible study at a nursing home. I want you to know what Scripture says. And Scripture says be baptized for the remission of sins is what it says. Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6, reminds us that where will the saved abide? The saved will always abide in the protection, the guidance, the comfort of God. Tonight, if you have not asked that question, what must I do to be saved? That's a great question to ask. That means that you're concerned. That means that you have a desire, you're willing to put in the time, and you're going to make an effort to walk with Christ. Or maybe a long time ago that you asked that question, you were baptized for the remission of sins, but after a few earthquakes in your life, you realized that you need to return. You need to realize, you realizing that you need to return and you need to be back in that safe, comfort, guiding spiritual realm that God provides for us. So we read about because of him being the great shepherd. So we ask you to, as the Lord invitation is being offered, please don't wait. Please take a step as we and respond to the invitation as we stand and sing.